Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. then they all get their happily ever after everyone loves a good happy ever after yeah especially if you don't like die (laughs) (laughs) hello everyone and welcome to the show i'm natalie and i'm here with two of my favorite humans angel and polly to discuss the golden bird polly you ready to get started i'm ready to go all right angel you ready to go i am here you are (laughs) all right well better than me being elsewhere since you're here, let's get started. <laughs> Polly, why don't you go ahead and get us started with the cultures that this story developed in? This was a story that the Grimm brothers had probably heard in their childhood and had loved. So this is probably just their favorite version of the story. It very much has the flavor of a half-remembered tale from childhood with the gaps just filled in. That makes sense. I like my nostalgia stories the best, too. This was supposedly collected in 1808 from around Hesse, and their hometown of Hanau is in Hesse. So perhaps they wrote this story down partly from their memories and partly from tales collected from other storytellers. So why don't we go over how it's changed in the different versions? Different versions mostly use different characters, but the story stays the same. There's a helpful fox in one, or there's an old man, or there's an apple woman. Oh, we all know not to trust her. No apples for us. We do know that now. <laughs> sometimes the bird is made of gold, or sometimes it just drops golden feathers. But birds are supposed to be light to help them fly and stuff. Gold doesn't seem too practical for that. Well, since when are fairy tales practical? True. In one version, not the Grimm's, it's a French version, there's a white swan or a dove instead of a golden bird. You know, the Grimm's notes mention finding an older version of the story where the king was sick and dreamed that the song of a phoenix would be able to heal him. A song? I always thought it was a tear. A tear heals wounds. A song heals the heart and mind. Well, in this it was the song that could cure him, so maybe it was more about his heart. Or, sorry, just thinking of mentally (laughs) ill kings. we got a lot of mentally ill kings. We need some phoenix songs around here. We do. (laughs) But, But then the son's adventures to find the bird follow the same pattern as this story. Well, maybe the king was depressed and they actually identified it as an illness back then. They hardly do that now. Well, they were ahead of their time or behind. The ancient Greeks had identified mental illness. It isn't just mental illness that shows up in this story, though. There is another version that might be from a Danish story where there was a pear tree that bore beautiful fruit that was stolen every year. And in that version, it's called the story of Dumbling. Dumbling translates to mean simpleton, which kind of gives a different perspective to the way the younger son is both treated and behaves in the story. True. Now, this version that we're reading today has something of that sort. They don't really say it, but it's implied that the youngest son is simple somehow. So why don't we move on to the reading of the story so we get everybody caught up and then we can discuss some of the details of it and our thoughts. The Golden Bird published by the Brothers Grimm. A long time ago, there was a king who had a lovely pleasure garden around his palace, and in it stood a tree which bore golden apples. When the apples were nearly ripe, they were counted, but the very next morning one was missing. 
This was reported to the king, and he ordered a watch to be set every night under the tree. The king had three sons, and he sent the eldest into the garden at nightfall, but by midnight he was overcome with sleep, and in the morning another apple was missing. On the following night the second son had to keep watch, but he fared no better. When the clock struck twelve, he too was fast asleep, and in the morning another apple was gone. The turn to watch now came to the third son. He was quite ready, but the king had not much confidence in him and thought that he would accomplish even less than his brothers. At last, however, he gave permission. So the youth lay down under the tree to watch, determined not to let sleep master him. As the clock struck twelve, there was a rustling in the air, and by the light of the moon he saw a bird, whose shining feathers were of pure gold. The bird settled on the tree and was just plucking an apple when the young prince shot an arrow at it. The bird flew away, but the arrow hit its plumage, and one of the golden feathers fell to the ground. The prince picked it up and in the morning took it to the king and told him all that he had seen in the night. The king assembled his council, and everybody declared that a feather like that was worth more than the whole kingdom. If the feather is worth so much, said the king, one will not satisfy me. I must and will have the whole bird. The eldest son, relying on his cleverness, set out in search of the bird, thinking that he would be sure to find it soon. When he had gone some distance, he saw a fox sitting by the side of a wood. He raised his gun and aimed at it. The fox cried out, Do not shoot me, and I will give you some good advice. You are going to look for the golden bird. At nightfall, you will come to a village, where you will find two inns opposite each other. One of them will be brightly lighted, and there will be noise and revelry going on in it. Be sure you do not choose that one, but go into the other, even if you don't like the looks of it so well. How can a stupid animal like that give me good advice, thought the king's son, and he pulled the trigger, but he missed the fox, who turned tail and made off into the wood. Thereupon the prince continued his journey and at nightfall reached the village with the two inns. Singing and dancing were going on in the one, and the other looked poverty-stricken and decayed. I should be a fool, he said, if I were to go to that miserable place when this good one is so near. So he went into the noisy one and lived there in rioting and revelry, forgetting the bird, his father, and all his good counsels. When some time had passed and the eldest son did not come back, the second started in quest of the golden bird. He met the fox, as the eldest son had done, and it gave him the same good advice, to which he paid just as little attention. He came to the two inns and saw his brother standing at the window of the one from which came the sounds of revelry. He could not withstand his brother's calling, so he went in and gave himself up to a life's pleasure. Again, some time passed, and the king's youngest son wanted to go out to try his luck, but his father would not let him go. It is useless, he said. He will be even less able to find the golden bird than his brother's, and when any ill luck overtakes him, he will not be able to help himself. He has no backbone. But at last, because the son gave him no peace, the king let him go. The fox again sat at the edge of the wood, begged for its life, and gave its good advice. The prince was good-natured and said, Be calm, little fox, I will do thee no harm. You won't repent it, answered the fox, and so that you may get along faster, come and mount on my tail. No sooner had he seated himself than the fox began to run, and away they flew over stock and stone at such a pace that his hair whistled in the wind. When they reached the village, the prince dismounted, and following the good advice of the fox, he went straight to the shabby inn without looking about him, and there he passed a peaceful night. In the morning, when he went out into the fields, there sat the fox, who said, I will now tell you what you must do next. Walk straight on until you come to a castle, in front of which a whole regiment of soldiers is encamped. Don't be afraid of them. They will all be asleep and snoring. 
walk through the midst of them straight into the castle, and walk through all the rooms. At last you will reach an apartment where the golden bird will be hanging in a common wooden cage. A golden cage stands near it for show, but beware, whatever you do, you must not take the bird out of the wooden cage to put it into the other, or it will be the worse for you. After these words, the fox again stretched out his tail, the prince took his seat on it, and away they flew over stock and stone till his hair whistled in the wind. When he arrived at the castle, he found everything just as the fox had said. The prince went to the room where the golden bird hung in the wooden cage. A golden cage was standing nearby, and the three golden apples were scattered about the room. He thought it would be absurd to leave the beautiful bird in the common old cage, so he opened the door, caught it, and put it into the golden cage. But as he did it, the bird uttered a piercing shriek. The soldiers woke up, rushed in, and carried him away to prison. Next morning he was taken before a judge, and as he confessed all, he was sentenced to death. The king, however, said that he would spare his life on one condition, and this was that he should bring him the golden horse which runs faster than the wind. In addition, he should have the golden bird as a reward. So the prince set off with many sighs. He was very sad, for where was he to find the golden horse? Then suddenly he saw his old friend, the fox, sitting on the road. Now you see, said the fox, all this happened because you did not listen to me. All the same, keep up your spirits. I will protect you and tell you how to find the golden horse. You must keep straight along the road, and you will come to a palace in the stable of which stands the golden horse. The grooms will be lying around the stable, but they will be fast asleep and snoring. And you can safely lead the horse through them. Only one thing you must beware of. Put the old saddle of wood and leather upon it, and not the golden one hanging near, or you will rue it. Then the fox stretched out his tail. The prince took his seat, and away they flew over stock and stone till his hair whistled in the wind. Everything happened just as the fox had said. The prince came to the stable where the golden horse stood. But when he was about to put the old saddle on its back, he thought, Such a beautiful animal will be disgraced if I don't put the good saddle upon him, as he deserves. Hardly had the golden saddle touched the horse than he began neighing loudly. The grooms awoke, seized the prince, and threw him into a dungeon. The next morning he was taken before a judge and condemned to death. But the king promised to spare his life and give him the golden horse as well, if he could bring him the beautiful princess out of the golden palace. With a heavy heart, the prince set out. But to his delight, he soon met the faithful fox. I should leave you to your fate, the fox said but I will have pity on you and once more help you out of trouble. Your road leads straight to the Golden Palace. You will reach it in the evening, and at night, when everything is quiet, the beautiful princess will go to the bathroom to take a bath. As she goes along, spring forward and give her a kiss, and she will follow you. Lead her away with you. Only on no account allow her to bid her parents goodbye, or it will go badly with you. Again the fox stretched out his tail, and the prince seated himself upon it, and off they flew over stock and stone, till his hair whistled in the wind. When he got to the golden palace, it was just as the fox had said. He waited till midnight, and when the whole palace was wrapped in sleep and the maiden went to take a bath, he sprang forward and gave her a kiss. She said she was quite willing to go with him, but she implored him to let her say goodbye to her parents. At first he refused, but as she cried and fell at his feet, at last he gave her her leave. Hardly had the maiden stepped up to her father's bed when he and everyone else in the palace woke up. The prince was seized and thrown into prison. Next morning the king said to him, Your life is forfeited, and it can be spared only if you clear away from in front of my window the mountain which shuts out the view. 
It must be done in eight days, and if you accomplish the task, you shall have my daughter as a reward. So the prince began his labors, and he dug and shoveled without ceasing. On the seventh day, when he saw how little he had done, he became very sad and gave up all hope. In the evening, however, the fox appeared and said, You do not deserve any help from me, but lie down and go to sleep. I will do the work. In the morning, when he woke and looked out of the window, the mountain had disappeared. Overjoyed, the prince hurried to the king and told him that his condition was fulfilled, and whether he liked it or not, he must keep his word and give him his daughter. So the prince and the king's daughter went away together, and before long the faithful fox joined them. You certainly have got the best thing of all, said he, but the golden horse belongs to the maiden of the golden palace. How am I to get it? asked the prince. Oh, I will tell you that, answered the fox. First, take the beautiful maiden to the king, who sent you to the golden palace. There will be great joy when you appear, and they will bring out the golden horse to you. Mount it at once, and shake hands with everybody, but last of all with the beautiful maiden. And when you have taken her hand firmly, swing her up beside you and gallop away. No one will be able to catch you, for the horse goes faster than the wind. All this was successfully done, and the prince carried off the beautiful maiden on the golden horse. The fox was not far off, and he said to the prince, Now I will help you to get the golden bird, too. When you approach the castle where the golden bird lives, let the maiden dismount, and I will take care of her. Then ride with the golden horse into the courtyard of the castle. There will be great rejoicing when they see you, and they will bring out the golden bird to you. As soon as you have the cage in your hand, gallop back to us and take up the maiden again. When these plans had succeeded, and the prince was ready to ride on with all his treasures, the fox said to him, Now you must reward me for my help. What do you want? asked the prince. When you reach the wood, shoot me dead and cut off my head and my paws. That would indeed be gratitude, said the prince. I can't possibly promise to do such a thing. The fox said, If you won't do it, I must leave you. But before I go, I will give you one more piece of advice. Beware of two things. Buy no gallows birds, and don't sit on the edge of a well. After saying this, he ran off into the wood. The prince thought, That is a strange animal. What winds he has! Who on earth would want to buy gallows birds? And the desire to sit on the edge of a well has never yet seized me. He rode on with the beautiful maiden, and the road led him through the village where his two brothers had stayed behind. There was a great hubbub in the village, and when he asked what it was about, he was told that two persons were going to be hanged. When he got nearer, he saw that they were his brothers, who had wasted their possessions and done all sorts of evil deeds. He asked if they could not be set free. Yes, if you'll ransom them, answered the people. But why will you throw your money away in buying off such wicked people? He did not stop to reflect, however, but paid the ransom for them, and when they were set free, they all journeyed on together. When they came to the wood where they had first met the fox, it was deliciously cool there, though the sun was broiling outside. The two brothers said, Let us sit down here by the well and rest a little to eat and drink. The prince agreed, and during the conversation he forgot what he was about, and never dreaming of any foul play, seated himself on the edge of the well. But his two brothers threw him backwards into it and went home to their father, taking with them the maiden, the horse, and the bird. Here we bring you not only the golden bird, but the golden horse and the maiden from the golden palace as our booty. Thereupon there was great rejoicing, but the horse would not eat, the bird would not sing, and the maiden sat and wept all day. The youngest brother had not perished, however. Happily, the well was dry, and he fell upon soft moss without being harmed. Yet he could not get out. Even in this great strait, the faithful fox did not forsake him, but came leaping down and scolded him for not taking his advice. I can't leave you to your fate, though. 
I must help you to get back to the light of day. He told him to take tight hold of his tail, and then he dragged him up. You are not out of every danger even now, said the fox. Your brothers were not sure of your death, so they have set watches all over the wood to kill you if they see you. A poor old man was sitting by the roadside, and the prince exchanged clothes with him, and by this means he succeeded in reaching the king's court. Nobody recognized him, but the bird began to sing, the horse began to eat, and the beautiful maiden left off crying. In astonishment, the king asked, What does all this mean? The maiden answered, I do not know, but I was very sad and now I am gay. It seems to me that my true bridegroom must have come. She told the king all that had happened, although the two brothers had threatened her with death if she betrayed anything. The king ordered every person in the palace to be brought before him. Among them came the prince, disguised as an old man in all his rags. But the maiden knew him at once and fell on his neck. The wicked brothers were seized and put to death, but the prince was married to the beautiful maiden and proclaimed heir to the king. But what became of the poor fox? Long afterwards, when the prince went out into the fields one day, he met the fox, who said, You have everything that you can desire, but there is no end to my misery. It still lies in your power to release me. And again he implored the fox to shoot him dead and to cut off his head and paws. At last the prince consented to do as he was asked, and no sooner was it done than the fox changed into a man. He was no other than the brother of the beautiful princess, at last set free from the evil spell which so long had lain upon him. There was nothing now wanting to their happiness for the rest of their lives. Okay, now that we have the audience all caught up with us, what do you think the original lessons of the story were for the people who were telling it? There are so many lessons in this story. It is a lot to unpack. So, where do you want to start unpacking? Well, maybe at the beginning. It starts off with two lazy brothers who can't stay awake long enough to identify a thief, and then the brothers would rather go party than go about their assigned task. That definitely lends itself to some of the original lessons, because the first brother goes into the loud party and then the second brother gets distracted from the wise advice of the fox by falling in with the peer pressure of his older brother, you know, with him over there calling him, hey, come have fun, join me, and he forgets what he was sent to do. Then when it's the younger son's turn, he sees his two brothers and it's like, he's like, oh yeah, I'm definitely not joining them. And after the way they've always treated him, I can't say I blame him. Yeah, and seeing him there, he knew just why they had disappeared and not returned. The party was just too good with all the revelry. Revelry will get you every time. <laughs> I think it says they lived there in riot and revel. They were in <laughs> New Orleans! My mama <laughs> always told me to stay away from New Orleans. Yeah, the brothers went to New Orleans. The younger son went to church. Mama would approve of that. <laughs> the only thing the younger prince does remember is that he can't do what his father thinks he's going to do because he'll fail and he can't fail. Yeah. And he realizes the brothers are stuck where they are in a way. They gave up on their task and he's being stubborn about not wanting to be like them. Probably because he's been told his whole life that he should be like them. You yeah. know, what you said just a minute ago really struck with me when you said that he doesn't want to do what his father thinks he's going to do because he'll fail. That kind of mm -hmm. makes me think that every time in his life that his father has said, oh, no, you're going to do this. Oh, no, you're going to do that. His father's pressure to be a certain way is what has led to him always failing. 
Well, I identify with being the problem kid, always trying to pretend that I was more like my brother. See, as a kid, I was always trying to prove I wasn't like my older sister. <laughs> well, maybe that's why my brother was the quote unquote good one. <laughs> uh, I've met your brother. <laughs> I have some fun adjectives for him, you know, cute, talented, funny, but good <laughs> isn't one of them. Cute. Yes. Not really good. Well, things change when people grow up. <laughs> I always wanted to be like my older cousin, Mike, who also had ADHD and was, in my mind, a super rock star. You know, he played guitar and he had rock posters on his wall. He was nice. a success story that I could live up to. Yeah. I really didn't have any ADHD people that were close to my age. I was just stubborn enough to figure it all out. So let's go back to the story and stop talking about our mental health issues. <laughs> <laughs> any other original lessons before we move on to the modern ones? Okay, so further on, you have all the soldiers who've fallen asleep while guarding the castle with the golden bird, and then the groomsmen who are all asleep and tending the golden horse. Maybe it's actually the golden creatures who cause the sleepiness. Ooh, the hypnosis of gold dulling the senses. The story is full of the usual greed and backstabbing expected from untrustworthy companions, which also reminds me that elements of this story are very similar to the trials of Hercules and also the story of the golden fleece. I always wondered, was the golden fleece actually made of gold? I always thought of it as more of a color. Well, the golden color in Greek mythology usually referred to having favor with the gods. Well, that's all Greek to me. So why don't we move on to what the modern audiences can learn from this story? They all underestimate the youngest son, who identifies the thief as the bird. But he was the most successful character. Even yeah. the king at the end, who gives him the impossible task, thinking he'll never succeed. As the youngest of three, I was highly insulted on behalf of the third prince in the way that everyone was always saying they didn't trust him to be able to accomplish the tasks. I feel that. You and I both know how it is to have a child who's underestimated by people. I feel like the story was maybe originally told by someone who had a simple person in their life or in their village and told the story to illustrate how they could be part of everything. The slurs against the younger son in the story definitely reflect more of the general attitudes of the public about young people who are mentally challenged. What makes this story unique is how he overcomes the challenges with the help of a patient mentor who never gives up on him. But mostly it's due to the quality of his good and pure heart. That's what makes him win in the end. So I feel like this whole story is about the prince that no one thinks can get anything done. And then he does. Because he has someone who believes in him and helps him along the way, and that's the fox. Yeah. I mean, the boy makes mistakes in the story, but at least he tries to listen to the good advice. At what part? He gets it wrong every time after the inn. Yeah, but he doesn't let that stop him. He's so used to getting things wrong that he doesn't let that be his reason to fail. He doesn't see making a mistake as having failed. He just goes, oops, do over. He needed simple directions with fewer steps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. Every time I try and take verbal instructions or directions, if it's more than two steps, I either have to write it down or ask for a Google map location. <laughs> and as sometimes happens, in the end, his helper just does it for him because he's reached his limit. Yeah. 
I'm surprised he didn't reach the end of his patience much earlier. That poor boy just kept making the wrong choices, not for greed or anything, but I did keep feeling like, oh, honey, not again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think the fox saw his good intentions from the start and kept on just giving him more chances. So the prince was trying to prove himself to his father. That's all he wanted was to show his father that he could succeed. (laughs) With brothers like he had, showing his father he could succeed was not an easy task. Yeah, they didn't even want him to succeed. They attacked him when it looked like he might do better than them. For him to succeed would definitely be embarrassing for them. And I couldn't believe it when they not only tried to kill him, but then set guards to keep him from returning to the castle, just in case he survived. Yeah, well, at least the other set of siblings get along. The fox is really cute when he mentions that his sister is the best thing of all. Still a thing with no name, but he appreciates her. Kind of like my brother appreciates me. I'm so glad my brother loves me. He's not going to push you in a well. (laughs) Not on purpose, at least. (laughs) Well, he can't help but recognize you. You do look just alike. (laughs) None of this poor guy's family recognized him in the end. It was the bird and the horse and the girl that he rescued who were able to see through his disguise. Well, my bird would for sure be the one to recognize me. Nuggies would start biting you. Which is better than what happens (laughs) to the older brothers. (laughs) Though the father putting them to death for their wickedness makes me wonder about the family dynamics even more. I mean, this is seriously (laughs) dysfunctional. Yeah. Uh, In modern times, the parents might just cut them off financially rather than cutting them off, you know, decapitatedly. (laughs) (laughs) I think in a modern retelling, it would be presented in a way that focuses on the capabilities of neurodivergent individuals. While it is rather insulting in a way how he's treated and shown this gentle and true heart that he has that allows him to be the hero. But this could be reformatted into an amazingly positive lesson. Maybe we should write one. Working at a school, I often see the divergent kids get shunted aside or ignored and underestimated, sometimes even babied. You know, I'm fortunate enough to work in a school program where I see the opposite A lot of the neurodivergent students on my campus are celebrated and have the chance to really excel. It's, I mean, I can't tell personal stories, but they just make me cry. I've seen some beautiful (laughs) stuff. Um, It makes my heart just get all mushy sometimes. And it's kind of sad at how rare that happens. So yeah, you know, with all of our different experiences, we probably could write a revised story of this. (laughs) Next up, modern rewrites. Wait. I thought we were trying to back up from the modern rewrites. Yeah, but ours are going to be so much better and completely unsanitary. We keep all the original blood and violence, but recognize everyone's basic humanity or personhood for the random victims of transformation spells. Speaking of violence, let's talk about the fox. He is the real hero here, yeah? Yeah, there's your blood and violence. Oh, thank you, fox. How can I repay you? Cut off my paws and head. (laughs) Um, excuse me, but death isn't generally looked upon as the best way to say thank you. (laughs) Well, that is why he had to wait so long. I'll still never understand why he would want to be human instead of staying a fox. What is so miserable? Well, not everyone wants to be a hag in the woods. But perhaps the prince had a sense of duty to his subjects. With his sister married to a neighboring prince, that left him as the heir to what might be perceived as a fairly 
irresponsible king. Relatively speaking, if this is the case, he's one of the best examples of royalty we've seen because he cares about his subjects. But the fox never gave up on the prince. Maybe his kindness is why the fox set him up with his sister. The prince was too kind to kill the fox with no reason. In this case, the fox's death was his release, which is pretty dark from a perspective of looking at mental illness. Well, it wasn't that sort of release. He doesn't, like, die. He just changes back <laughs> into a man again, and then they all get there happily ever after. Uh, everyone loves a good happy ever after. Yeah, especially if you don't, like, die. <laughs> happily ever after to everyone. You can find us on your favorite app, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, for as long as it lasts, Instagram, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Check us out on Patreon for even more content. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more all at the end of the road